This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Following a convincing 24-7 victory over Stanford in last week's season opener down in Arlington, Texas, Kansas State kicks off its seven-game home schedule on Saturday as the Cats welcome in Southern Illinois to Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The game will kick off at 6 p.m. and can be watched on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame show, GoPowerCat.com's weekly look at the weekend's Kansas State football game. I am Go Power Cat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and as always, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Southern Illinois opened its season last week with an easy victory over Southeast Missouri State, beating SEMO 47-21, and the Salukis roll into Manhattan feeling pretty darn good about themselves and in search of what they hope could be a serious run at the FCS national title. It's going to be a fascinating game, a Southern Illinois team that likes to open it up on offense and plays some fairly good defense. And now we bring in Go Powercats' own Ryan Wallace to talk about the Southern Illinois Salukis. Now, I'm a dog person, but I have never met a Saluki in person. I'm sure they're nice dogs, Ryan. I don't I don't know. Um, but I appreciate that they have dogs as a mascot, and that sums up my knowledge of Southern Illinois football. Now, look, this team is good. Chris Kleiman raved about them uh, in his press conference. Some coach speak, but other things that he said, you could tell he's generally concerned, and particularly about the, a Southern Illinois offense that both throws it and runs, as he said, a ton of reverses. They just try to keep you on your heels at all times. And honestly, Wally, that is something for K-State to worry about because they they flowed to the football. They played so fast on Saturday against Stanford that they might be open to be taken advantage of in terms of being out of place because they're too aggressive. Yeah, you know, I not to disagree with Coach Kleiman by any stretch, I, I, I'm with him in the fact that I think from a tempo standpoint, from an experience standpoint, um, you know, you look at the the depth that Southern Illinois will bring to town on Saturday. They've they've got a host of FBS transfers, some from the Power Five level. Um, they've recruited Florida, so that you would imagine they've have some str- some uh, speed littered throughout the roster. 
again, some experience. They're relentless. Um, they've been in some tough games in the spring that they've overcome some adversity and, and taken down some Goliaths like North Dakota state. They beat Weber state on the road. Uh, they were up, they, they were up 20 to seven at one point fits against South Dakota state who almost was FCS national champs. They lost, they were the runners up to, to uh, Sam Houston state, but in watching this team fits, um, they have some elements of their game. Like you said, with the trickery, um, and it, you know, they have a tendency to kind of create turnovers and have some magic about them. Um, but they're, when I watch them, they're just kind of a well-balanced, strong sound FCS team, but not one that, um, I necessarily think is, is, you know, capable of maybe covering a spread against K-State or, you know, by any stretch upsetting Kansas State. I just think that K-State's going to have more firepower, more dynamic weapons and individual matchups that I just don't think SIU is going to be able to hang with. But again, I understand Chris Kleiman's concern coming from a physical, strong, big, somewhat slow Stanford team to, again, kind of an up-tempo um, a little bit more spread, a little bit more balanced attack that you'll see from SIU. Yeah, as much as Stanford wanted to keep the style of football very core, very basic, and try to beat you up front, which they failed at with Kansas State, SIU wants to kind of create a little chaos. And quarterback Nick Baker threw for 460 yards, a school record against Southeast Missouri State in that season opener, a 47-21 victory. And um, I just think this is going to be good for the secondary. They're going to want to throw the ball more than Stanford did, and and that's a challenge they need to see, and they'll certainly see it next week with Nevada, before they plunge into the Big 12. So I, I feel like this is good prep for K-State, even though it's an FCS opponent. No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there in referencing how this is a good um, opportunity for them to get a little bit better heading into Nevada. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, et cetera, et cetera, for the cornerbacks and for the secondary because, you know, again, this is an offense with Nick Baker who they like to improvise. You know, not only is it up-tempo, not only do they have some gadget trickery stuff up their sleeves, but it was amazing in some of the game film that I watched, Fitz, how uh, – and granted, Nick Baker was injured, um, I believe, in some of the uh, – the spring for yeah. uh, the postseason, um, but again, even watching Baker in the regular season, and then later this offense under another quarterback that's no longer on the roster um, during the postseason, the the stuff that they are able to do with pre-snap movement and then post-snap movement, um, you know, Julius Brents, Echo Boydo, T.J. Smith, on and on and on, Jerron McPherson, Russ East, these guys are going to have to be able to cover and, and cover for an extended period of time after the snap, because it's uncanny the way Nick Baker is able to evade pocket pressure and keep plays alive with his feet, not just as a runner, but he's going to look downfield. So you're going to have some expanded coverages that, you know, again, Julius Brents and those guys are that uh, they can't afford to let, you know, Cox and Rollins and these, um, pretty good receiving a pretty good receiving unit um, can't let them get away assuming that the play's over because usually with SIU it isn't 
Yeah, it's going to be very intriguing to watch uh, Nick Baker in action because uh, he was the quarterback when they played number one North Dakota State back in late February. Remember, the FCS played their season in the spring, which is something we'll talk about here in a second. But he went 17 of 23 against the Bison and threw for 254 yards and a touchdown. So really impressive against a very good North Dakota State team. And although he was injured, I was always I was curious coming out of that spring season how these teams would translate then over to playing another season so quickly. And at least in the early phases, it almost appears like they picked up a rhythm. There was what six upsets FBS over or FCS teams mm-hmm. over FBS. It almost seems like these teams are closer to midseason form than their FBS counterparts, and that's advantage to the Slukies in this game. And maybe that's another reason why Chris Kleiman, um, maybe if behind closed doors, maybe if he knows that Kansas State has more firepower and does have the edge, maybe that's why publicly he does want to keep his team in check. Because Southern Illinois, not only are they coming off an extra day of rest and preparation, having played SEMO last Friday night, um, but again, like you said, um, they're not that far removed from a, a well-orchestrated spring season where again, like, as you mentioned, they, they beat North Dakota state um, beat Weber state and almost beat South Dakota state. And they're led by, you know, some of their best players are upperclassmen and, and seniors. You know, you look at the, the guard, the uh, FCS all American guard and Furkron on the inside. Um, great, great talent. I thought in, in the limited, play that I was able to see from them on online. Um, now I think that their tackles are a little suspect. <laughs> I think Khalid Duke might have a field day. Um, but, uh, you know, offensively, you know, Furkron is a guy, uh, Avante Cox, the Wyoming transfer is a guy, uh, again, seniors, um, Quay Brown, the safety that kind of does everything for him, uh, senior, Knighton, um, who's, I think, on track to set the SIU all-time sack record right now at defensive end, a senior um, and, and a dude. So there's some – I think that does play a role in this, Fitz, is, you know, not only is this a team that's not that far for, removed from a, a real season, didn't need as much preparation to kind of get back in tune, but um, an experienced one at that. Yeah, uh, 19 seniors on this roster, only two of whom are fifth-year seniors because 17 are six-year super seniors that have taken advantage of the pandemic uh, exemption to come back again, and they feel really good about their chances. And, Wally, I like this because K-State's defense needs to establish ability to play fast, be aggressive, without being reckless and forgetting their assignments and this is an opponent I feel like will take advantage of that if you do forget your assignment, but not an opponent that probably will do it to a level in which you're going to lose. I, I just feel like there's a nice scare possibility in this game that K-State could learn from and still not lose the game. Yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be a perfectly executed game by K-State. You know, I, regardless of what the scoreboard is, I think that fans and coaches alike might come out of Saturday going, eh, you know, we, we have some room for concern here. We have some room for improvement here. Um, it's, it's not going to be perfectly executed. This is a great game that will test the linebackers, especially in that first half without Deuce, Deuce Daniel Green, you know, Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Green. Let's just call it, we'll, we'll go Daniel Fitz. I like um, too, many, too many deuces. But this is a great game for the linebackers to, like you said, 
um, you know, maybe find themselves in some sticky situations without, uh, you know, again, being in danger of costing the cats a game, you know, again, secondary should get tested a little bit more in this one. Um, I think this will be an interesting test again for the offensive line, a little different from Stanford, not the kind of strong, powerful, um, you know, brute force that they saw against Stanford, but maybe a, a level up in agility and speed. Um, and again, a, another good chance for Malik Knowles in this receiving core to get a little bit more usage than we saw from Stanford. You know, Chris Kleiman and, and Courtney Messingham in this offense didn't really need to air it out against Stanford, but they could have. So I think this will be a good showing on Saturday to maybe get them um, a little bit more reps. And as Chris Kleiman said this week, get some more guys, some more reps, some Keenan Garbers, maybe some RJ Garcia's. Um, and again, not be at risk of, of putting your team in danger of a loss. Yeah, you mentioned it. K-State ran only 45 offensive plays against Stanford, which is really, really low, particularly in a winning performance to score 24 points on 45 plays. They're going to run more than that. I think they'll possess the ball more than they did against Stanford. But we kind of need them to open it up a little bit. I feel like they could be conservative against Stanford, but now they need to start trying to find a groove maybe on the offensive side of the ball where they can get that run-pass balance, which they really didn't have in the second half of the season at any point last year. They've got to find that nice offensive style, maybe a personality that uh, can propel them to a lot of wins this season. And this is a good place to start. Yeah. And I know I disagree with the legend, Bill Snyder, which, you know, makes me sound like an idiot first and foremost, but, <laughs> but hear hear me out for a second. I, I disagree from the standpoint of not wanting to put stuff on tape in in games where you don't have to only because specifically with this Kansas state offense and this particular season coming out of a COVID year with so many struggles and health issues, you know, I think it's more important to allow guys to get in a rhythm, kind of do a little bit of everything, see what works, see what doesn't, you know, have the players come off the sideline and say that that play just didn't work. We're out of sync. Let, let's scrap it. Or this is working. Let's do more of that. And that way, when you're in games against Nevada and Oklahoma state and Oklahoma in the coming weeks, I think you have a better idea of what works and you can have a better idea of, of what plays to each individual player's strengths. So, you know, I know as much as Chris Kleiman probably doesn't want to throw the kitchen sink, um, you know, against Stanford or Southern Illinois, if you don't have to, I think it's important that they do try and experiment with some things again, just to say you've done it and to figure out, okay, this might've worked in practice, but it isn't working in games and either we need to table it or we need to fix it for later down the road. And they really need to get the receivers involved. We saw it just fall off the end of the earth last year with the receivers not playing well and also the offense kind of losing its rhythm with a true freshman quarterback. But then they go down to Arlington. They only complete nine passes. Two of them are tied in. Two of them are to running back. Only five to receivers. I I don't want a mutiny. And I can see the receivers eventually like, can we get the ball once in a while? This seems like a good time to try to get them more involved. Yeah. I mean, this is a good, uh, a good defense again, to test them with, Uh, you know, when I watch Southern Illinois on tape, they uh, are sound in their coverage. You know, I mean, they, 
but but they're not going to light it up. Yeah, they have a knack for creating some turnovers, but a lot of the time, I think that's initially forced by some of the pressure they get from their front seven and not necessarily from the back half outside of maybe Quay Brown. So uh, this would be an, an opportunistic um, time for Malik Knowles to get more involved, to look his way a little bit more. I did like that they were at least putting the ball in Malik's hands to give him some confidence, even if it was on, you know, sweeps and stuff like that. But you're right. You know, you want to see um, this improve Philip Brooks as a route runner. You want to see this improvement that we've heard about from Keenan Garber, Tyrone Howell, getting him more involved. I mean, there's a lot of guys that we've been hearing about, but you know, if you don't, at least throw the ball up to them and see what they can do. Even Sammy Wheeler um, and see what they can do. Um, you know, I just don't know if that's necessarily helping you for the tough stretch that's coming up after this weekend. Yeah, I know. I, uh, there was a lot of things I wanted to see in that game, but when you only run 45 plays offensively, you just can't put much out there. And on top of that, 14, nothing. And certainly 17, zero felt like, a mountain Stanford was never going to climb. I mean, it just seemed out of touch, and why why strain yourself at that point? But I think this game is going to be probably more entertaining, which is a weird thing to say at coming off a win over a Power 5 opponent, that the FCS team might be uh, a more varied test for your team than what you just saw. It's, it's strange, but I think it's true. No, I, I mean, we talked about it in the pregame show last week that these were two mere images of each other and state Stanford and K-State about, you know, wanting to be more physical in the line of scrimmage, wanting to control the clock. You know, it's it, for lack of a better word, at points it gets boring when you put two, two teams like that on the field. Um, and then when you get K-State up and they don't even have to really get creative, uh, you know, or, or tap on the on the brakes almost. Um then it becomes even, again, more dull. So regardless of what the score is, I think this is going to be certainly a more entertaining game to watch. And again, a, a more uh, a more proper maybe indication of where both the offense and defense is um, for the coming weeks, for the, the teams that they're going to see, because the majority of the rest of their schedule is going to resemble, I think, more Southern Illinois than Stanford, if that makes sense. No, I totally agree. Uh, Southern Illinois seems to be more of a Big 12 type of team and how it's put together. But this is a game. Uh, there's no there's, there's no uh, line on this being an FBS versus FCS game, but I think we're picking 17 and a half at Go Park at. That, and that feels like a pretty big number to me, but I still think Casey will cover that. What are your thoughts? Well, initially, you know, when we were talking about that spread earlier in the week, it did kind of feel large and not in the standpoint that I don't think K-State can be up by 17 and a half. But, you know, maybe by a game's end and there's some, you know, uh, backups and, and reserve players in, maybe there's a chance that, that Southern Illinois could cover. But the more that I watch Southern Illinois, um, again, I just I think the playmakers, the Deuce Vaughn's. Um, the, the teams that, that Southern Illinois seemed to struggle with in the spring um, were against playmakers that had uh, an element of, of speed and agility that the majority of their team just couldn't hang with. And I think that lends itself to Malik Knowles, to Deuce Vaughn, um, and even the, the players on defense. So I think K-State will cover. I think it'll be about three touchdowns, maybe 24 points. So not too far over that 17 and a half mark that, 
that we're making up for this game. But I, I, I think it'll be comfortable, um, even if it at times isn't pretty. And it's a perfect time to get those special teams clicking because that's usually where the gap is the biggest between these type of programs. No doubt. No doubt. And I think it's a good thing that, you know, you had an opportunity to get Tate Winkle um, a field goal try in AT&T Stadium. And um, now we'll get a chance to see, you know, again, what this team can do, not only with kickoff coverage, but punt coverage and and all that and above against Southern Illinois. So, yeah, definitely a good thing to get kind of that third dimension of K-State rocking and rolling. His name's Ryan Wallace. He covers recruiting for us at GoPowerCat.com, but also loves to dig into team coverage and scout opponents for the Wildcats. And that's great stuff as usual, Wally. Much appreciated. I think it's going to be a fun day at the Bill. I think they're going to be close to a sellout if they don't quite get there. The new uh, the new south end zone looks fantastic. I think it's going to be a fun night in Manhattan on Saturday night. I'm jealous I can't be there. <laughs> right after this, we will bring in our Go Powercat football analyst, Brian Hanley, as the Go Powercat Powercat pregame show, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, Motors On. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. We continue our look at K-State versus Southern Illinois with the Powercat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. And now we bring in our Go Powercat football analyst, an offensive lineman on those 97 to 98 K-State teams, Brian Hanley from our Frisco, Texas office. That's, that's what we're just going to go with, Brian, today. We talked about that K-State win over Stanford. It was impressive. And, you know, I find myself in hindsight now wondering – I really wish we could see USC versus Stanford right now so I could get a better grasp on whether Stanford was really as bad as Kansas State made them look out to be or if they're somewhere in between and actually a halfway decent team. Well, I I watched the game again just so I could kind of get my bearings a little bit about it too. And it's a, it's it's a little bit of both. I know that's the the easy out or the easy answer, but it, but it's true. Stanford's not good. I mean, they're, they're not. They're, their quarterback play is atrocious. But And Kansas State played really well. But I, don't, I just don't know if it's a good standard bearer. Because, again, the score could have been more lopsided, and it wasn't. 
So yeah. why is that? What did we do wrong? And and there were mistakes. I mean, you know, I was looking at it from, you know, purple colored glasses. And, and when you take a step back, there were mistakes or things that we can get better. But it was the first game of the year. So, you know, you're going to have a ton of mistakes the first game of the year. It's the way it works. Yeah, it does. And, you know, it it strikes me that the mistakes they made had a dramatic impact on the game and K-State still won. They could have Correct. had two big punt returns. Both yes. calls were legitimate, but both holding or blocking the backs – I don't think we're particularly impactful on the outcome of the play, but they did call back good returns by Phillip Brooks. Nick Allen needs to clean that up because those were really costly. But I look at uh, there was a holding, I believe, that set K-State back and kind of deflated a drive around midfield. I I almost feel like, yeah, penalties impacted this game, but it was as much K-State suffering as Stanford. and. If you're Chris Kleiman, you got to love it. Honestly, you got an easy victory. You got a ton of guys in the game. You built yep. some confidence, and you took a lot of stuff off a of film review to take to the practice field to get even better. It's almost like a head coach's dream come true. It literally, I was just going to say that. You can't ask for a better scenario for a head coach. Got a ton of guys in that may not have gotten in in a, in a closer game against a, a quote-unquote quality opponent. Got tons of time. A lot of mistakes that you can take and say, guys, we could have scored 45 points. Here's what we got. This is, you know, this is, this is what we did wrong, you know. So defense, the same thing. I mean, granted, the defense played outstanding, but they made some mistakes too. There's things they can clean up. It just, it, it couldn't have been, it, it, for a fan's perspective, it couldn't have been a better week one. No major injuries that, that I know of. Um, got away clean, but tons of things that can be cleaned up. And that's, that, that, that's what you want after a week one. Again, it's not, as I put it, a quote-unquote money game. It was against a Power 5 competition against Stanford. Now, whether Stanford's great or not, who knows? But at the same time, it was still Stanford. So, good week one. Yeah, absolutely. Southern Illinois comes to town on Saturday, Saturday 6 p.m. kickoff at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. They're trying to get that game sold out to refill the bill and send a message to the team. They're getting there. Southern Illinois is one of the better teams at the FCS level. They're um, rated in the top 10. Coach Kleiman said this is one of the better Missouri Valley football conference teams I've seen. He should know since he coached some of the very best teams. They're very optimistic at Southern that this is going to be their cash-in season, that they're going to take all their hard work from a, a, a good spring season at the FCS level, including a win over North Dakota State, and turn it into possibly a national championship run. And Chris Kleiman believes they're of that quality. That says a lot, and I don't think it was coach speak, and here's why, Brian. They return an absolutely obnoxious 17 super seniors, 17 departing seniors that said, hey, I'll stick around another semester and play a free season of football and maybe make a national title run. That means this is probably one of the most experienced college football teams to take the field. It's incredible what is coming into Manhattan in terms of just – 
gray beards. They know how right. to play college football, even if it's at a lower level, as Chris Kleiman so accurately points out. If you know how to win, you know how to win, and you believe you're going to win. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. There's nothing that speaks more about college football than experience. And when you have experience, no matter what level, they're going to come in with some confidence, especially if they're good, you know, if, and they in Southern Illinois is good. So they're going to come in with some confidence of knowing how to win, how to play football, you know, being physical, all the things that you need to do to be competitive. They're going to bring that now. Is it going to be enough? I don't believe so. So K-State's going to have – but K-State's going to have to play. This is not, hey, we're going to play everybody. And, and that, that, I mean, that may turn into that maybe in the second half, but that's not what this game is going to start out being. K-State's going to have to go out there and put their best foot forward to get things done that they want to get done. They can't just go and and sleepwalk through this football game. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Quarterback Nick Baker – um, really put on a show in the Saluki's 47-21 season-opening victory against Southeast Missouri, or SEMO, as they know in these parts. Uh, and what's interesting is, as I read here, the first play from scrimmage was from their own one. Their yeah. own, that's how they started their game, and he just completed a 99-yard touchdown pass. That's all he did in his first play from scrimmage this year. He threw for a school record 460 yards in his um, first start, um, at his fourth start, but he's now officially the starting quarterback. And this is incredible, too. He was 27-1 and as a starter in high school. Again, this Nick Baker is a guy that knows how to spread the ball around. He knows how to win football games. As I start to really go through this game, and, you know, I've known all, all along that this is a pretty good FCS team, this is going to be a good test for K-State. It really will because – this offense for Southern Illinois runs circles around that offense we saw last weekend in Arlington from Stanford, which was seemingly rooted in the 80s, maybe the 90s. And this Oof. is a much more advanced offense, one that likes to spread the field, throw the ball around. And as Chris Kleiman said, they're going to run a whole lot of reverses at you to keep you on your, your heels and slow your defense down, which is a pretty good formula for what we saw from K-State's defense. They fly to the ball. Well, make them uh, stay put a little bit to make sure the ball's where they think it is. Correct. You know, assignment sound football is what it comes down to on defense. Assignment sound football. Everybody wants to run to the football, and we need guys to run to the football, but you also have to do your job. You know, so the, the one time that you don't is the time the guy gets out the gate around the corner and it's 30 yards or a touchdown. So you just got to play, just do your job. Assignment sound football. Um, and just make sure that you tackle again because everybody can't be run. Like last week, what you mentioned, Stanford, I mean, that offense is archaic. You know, everybody could run to the football. They weren't going to come up with any trick plays or do anything like this. It was going to line up. Here's where we run. Everybody run to the ball. When you have somebody that does a little bit different things and kind of what the Big 12 in, a, in general does, spread you out. Run here, reverse there. You got to play a sound, sound or assignment, sound football, and guys have to tackle because you don't necessarily. You're not going to necessarily have the six, seven guys running to the football because you can't because you have to have assignment, sound football. So you can't have everybody there at once. You may have a guy or two or three that are there, but then you have to tackle. 
So this is going to be a good game for K-State, especially open field tackling to work on and, and not necessarily work on, but to do because it's what we struggled with last year. And so this will be a good test for that. They really didn't have many one-on-one open field tackles against Stanford. It was looking back at the game. It's almost absurd that Stanford didn't create any more one-on-one opportunities than the Cardinal did. It was, it was really kind of sad to watch because that is not going to win many games in any conference. They got to get better. I mean, like you said, I like David Shaw, but you can't continue. I mean, it's one thing when you have three tight ends that are all NFL and play in the NFL and they're all on your team and you have an offensive line where three of the guys are going to go to the NFL and play, you know, several years in the NFL. That's one thing to be able to do that. And I have a quarterback that's legit. When you don't have those kinds of things, you got to change. And that's right. K-State, there was no, literally, there was just, I mean, you, every time somebody was tackling, you saw there were five or six guys there. You know, they just didn't create that, which, you know, credit to us. You know, we did our job, and that's we knew what they were going to do, and that's what we do. But it'll be different moving forward. So it'll be good for K-State to understand tackling, tackling. You can't always gang tackle. This doesn't work like that. And to tackle in space. So this will be a good test for us. And I love the fact that Chris Kleiman just flat out comes out and says, they're going to run a lot of reverses, and my guys better be ready for it. I can't remember what he called their head coach, the king of reverses or something. Uh, but it, it it sounds like it's going to be a fun offense for Kansas State to try to manage and hold up against. But as you said, this really helps them better in preparation for the Big 12 schedule than playing big old mighty Stanford out of the Pac-12. And I find a lot of irony in that. Yeah, absolutely it does. I, I just It's going to prepare them well. It may not be the same type of athletes uh, that they're going to see in the Big 12, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. You know, the, again, getting better playing football, the only way to get better is by playing football. So um, it, it's just a better test, I think, just kind of what you said. It's a better test yeah. for and better barometer for what we're going to see down the road, uh, even next week. You know, so uh, it's just going to be a better barometer for what K-State's going to see, set us up um, to be more prepared for the season than what Stanford did. Does the fact that they fell victim to Arkansas State, a team that at least structurally from what it sounds like on the offensive side of the ball is very similar to Southern Illinois? You know, if they get their passing game going like Arkansas State did last year, it could cause K-State problems. Brian, I... I think this could end up being a shootout of sorts. I think K-State would win that shootout. But um, they're, offensively, K-State's going to have to be much better. They're going to have to be much more efficient, put more plays on the field, and cut down on the things that killed them at times in this game against Stanford and just put up more points. They, they can't hold back as much, which is very strange to say coming out of Pac-12 and going into Missouri Valley games. Well, I mean, but off, I mean, again, college football is predicated. I mean, mostly all football is predicated on a quarterback. Stanford had two that weren't any good. Southern Illinois has one that is very good. So the difference is going to be, number one, we're going to have to have a pass rush. 
You got to have a pass rush on defense. Got to cover guys. Do your job. Uh, and not just pass rush. When people think pass rush, you think defensive ends. It, yeah, that's good. But we also need interior pass rush. You, you know, collapse the pocket a lot. You know, and don't let the quarterbacks step up because that's where they hurt you is when quarterbacks are able to step up. If we can do that and then kind of what you said on offense, we just got to run the ball. It'd be a lot more mistake free football play mistake free football sustained drives kind of grind them down a little bit you know and and still put points on the board don't settle for field goals things of that nature we will be fine but good back to the arkansas state you're right but hopefully that's in the back of their minds thinking hey guys we got to play we got to put our foot on their neck and we don't let up and this is how we win the football game. I go, and then maybe in the fourth quarter, if it gets lopsided, that's fine. But we got to come out immediately and put our foot on their neck. Otherwise, ball game's up for grabs. Yeah, it really will be. It, it's a game that uh, I don't want to call it a trap game because Southern Illinois is pretty good. But I know a lot of fans are just counting this as a win. And I have done the same in many ways. But this will be a challenge. And I like the way this non-conference is stacking up to prepare K-State for the Big 12. We talked about Stanford just being a nice test and a good starting point, And they cleared that against a Power 5 opponent. Now they come home and play a really unpredictable team in Southern Illinois and a team in Nevada next week that likes to throw the ball. Uh, I think this non-conference schedule is going to prepare this team. And I, I like it quite a bit. My question, though, is against a more you know, spread out offense and one that likes to run a lot of reverses, you're probably going to be in that three-man front again. You're probably going to want all the speed you can get on the field and give up some of that size. And honestly, Brian, if they can stop the run like they did against Stanford with a three-man front and only three linebackers, I think that bodes well for how this defense might operate against the run. I think it does. I, I absolutely think it does now because, again, you got the speed out there. As long as the speed is physical speed and you can, and guys are tackling, everything will be fine. You know, teams – you saw it the other day with teams running – I mean, Alabama run. I'm not trying to compare us to Alabama or whatever the case may be, but there's lots of teams that run a three-man front all the time and can stop the run. There's no reason that K-State can't do the same thing. Shift guys around, slant guys, twist guys, bring a blitz here or there that they're not expecting. And there's nothing wrong with having more speed on the football field. There's literally nothing wrong with it. As long as those guys are tackling and being where they're supposed to be, then all power to it because, again, you got to have more. In this day and age, you got to have as much speed on the defensive side of the ball as you can. Right. You just have to if you're going to compete. And if going to a three-man line is going to help us do that and still have us being able to tackle, then I think not just me, I think all K-State fans are all for it because I think we're tired of seeing teams just constantly gash us and gash us. And last week was great to see because a team that you knew wanted to run the football – couldn't run the football, and we had a three-man line out there a lot of the time. That was pretty impressive. One of the areas of the game where FBS teams typically spread it out and and make an FCS team really uncomfortable is in special teams, simply because of the numbers. FBS, you can have, what, 85 scholarships. I think it's 63 at the FCS. So you don't have the same kind of depth for special teams that you have at this level. And K-State is always good in special teams. They were just fairly sound last week. A couple penalties, as we mentioned, sucked the life out of it. But 
that's an area where K-State's going to have to be really good this week. I just go out there and and make things so much more comfortable by dominating special teams. And it's certainly, Brian, something they're more than capable of doing. Absolutely, they're more than capable of doing it. And it's kind of what you said. You take away those couple of penalties that they had, uh, and they were big penalties. And again, they, they didn't have any really bearing on the play. But, you know, they happened, and they were legitimate. You take those away, the special teams, I mean, we had some really good returns. we got to continue that. Get a couple into the end zone. Just just dominate it on all phases, which is what K-State's known for. We, we have to do that. That has to be a staple of K-State year in and year out. I don't think that's going to change this year. We have to, you know, we just have to continue to do the things that we do. Clean up the penalties because you can't have that because, you know, when you're changing field position, literally you get a penalty and a guy gets a 30, 40 yard return and it goes back and not only back to where it was, it goes back another 10 yards. I mean, that changes field position and it can change the game. So we just have to dominate on special teams again. Just this is another area where we really can put the hammer down on them. Well, Southern Illinois went 6-4 and four last season in that spring season under Coach Nick Hill. They are 1-0 this season. He's kind of got them going. He, they feel like they're over the hump, but, boy, they got this game circled. Uh, they are 1-4 under Hill against FBS competition, but I would like to point out that the one win was against UMass, so that's like FBS light, I think. Um, so this is going to be an intriguing game. I'm, I'm actually really excited about it. And in part, Brian, just to see the energy of the crowd coming off that win at Stanford, I feel like the the K-State Nation needed that win. And I don't want to use the word emphatic, but it was kind of no doubt. Once K-State got the 14-0 lead, you just didn't see Stanford coming back, and they certainly weren't capable of it. Well, I think that fans were – we're, and myself included, we're just kind of deflated at the end of last year where we got off to the good start. We beat OU. And then I don't think everybody really understood how depleted the team was. I think people thought, oh, man, we just stink and just didn't realize how depleted we really were. And that's, I mean, and as a fan and you're, you know, that's all you see is what's on the field. That's all you see. Well, when you take a deeper dive into it, I mean, K-State was depleted. I mean, we just were. I mean, it's facts are facts. I'm not making a ton of excuses on why we didn't play better, but, you know, we just were a depleted football team. And I think fans, and again, myself included, had this game circled as one, okay, we're back to even playing field. We're playing against a Power 5 conference team, you know, a Pac-12 team. I don't know how good they're going to be, but I don't know how good we are. So let's go out and see how good we are. Let's let's start the season off and let's go from there and see what we got. Well, it seemed like we have a little bit, you know, and, you know, to see them come out and dominate a football game, I mean, that's got to – to, to ring a bell in, in, in everybody's eyes. Okay, we've got something here. We got to keep getting better, getting better, but we've got something here. And I think that's really exciting for fans because that's, I mean, let's just face it. We want to see progress. We want to see wins. And yeah, that was progress. I mean, it was absolute progress. Now, it, again, it's just one game. So I don't want us to jump off the cliff or anything. But at the same time, it's, 
hey, as long as we're winning and we're getting better, that's what we wanted to see. Everybody had that game circled. This is another step in getting better to in getting to where we want to be as a football team, but more importantly, Tim, as a football program. Thank you, Brian Hanley. Very good. We will reconvene on Sunday night for our Monday morning post-game review podcast. No longer doing an actual post-game podcast. We're going to take a day and let it all soak in before posting what we thought about the game. I will have my immediate reaction with my brand new walk and talk post-game video. We are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, and we have more to come, including our weekly interview. This week, we catch up with Kansas State receiver and punt returner, Philip Brooks, on the PowerCat pregame podcast. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. Two segments down, one to go. And we're going to start off this week's final segment with a little discussion we had with Philip Brooks, our own Michael Goins, and myself teamed up to talk to Kansas State's senior pass catcher and punt returner. Let's get started now with Michael Goins asking Philip about getting back for more punt returns. Two of them were called back last week due to illegal blocks. And we'll see if he can get a clean return this week against the Salukis. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it was like um, last week I got kind of loose a little bit. You know, I got some penalties here and there. So uh, looking to clean that up. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I feel like I can get a good return uh, this game. You know, I think I can return the ball every game, but that's just my mindset on it. But, yeah, I'm excited this week for the game, especially at hometown. Uh, home crowd, you know, settled out and everything. So I'm excited. I followed that up with a question I've kind of wanted to ask a punt returner for a while. What do you think about as soon as you catch the ball, what's the next thing that you try to address? And Phillip's answer was pretty interesting. Next step is to see who's on you because they come down real quick. Um, I think actually the hardest part of punt return is catching the ball. I feel like once you catch the ball, it's just natural instincts, reading, you know, things I've been doing, like, I feel like all my life playing football. And so uh, I feel like catching it is the hardest part. And then after that, it's just natural for me. And let's wrap up this segment with Philip Brooks with another question from me. How difficult is it to stay locked in on catching that ball when you can hear the sound of the defenders closing in on you? Like I said, it's just it's just instincts, you know, natural reaction. Um, you know, trusting. I trust my team a lot, you know, blocking. I think they block very well for me. And, um, yeah, I mean, just basically just, you know, trusting in them that they have my back like I got theirs. And that is our interview segment with K-State receiver and punt returner Philip Brooks. And now let's turn our attention to the gambling aspect of the game and the weekend around the Big 12 and bring in our own Ryan Gilbert to talk about these things. And, Ryan, I really struggled with Kansas State and SIU because there's no official line. All the odds makers, the books that we use at Go Power 
Wirecat.com and the 24-7 Sports Network don't have an FCS, FBS game up on the board. So we established on our own K-State as a 17.5-point favorite. Seems like kind of a big number. I wrestled with it, but I'm very curious where you come down on that line. Coming into this season, I probably would have picked K-State here because we hear so much about Stanford and how important that game is. And then with Nevada, we've talked about that one a ton. So this game really got overlooked by a lot of people, including ourselves. But the more you look into Southern Illinois, you realize that this is not a bad team. They return, what is it, 16 or 17 17. sixth-year seniors. So those guys want to come back. They want to win. You know, Chris Kleiman, there's a history there with playing in the Missouri Valley. It should be a fun game, and I think Southern Illinois is going to keep it close. Okay, so you have Southern Illinois, SIU covering. I think K-State covers, but I got to admit, I don't feel good about that pick at all. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty big number for against a pretty good FCS team, and we saw six FCS teams beat the FBS in Week one, which might be a sign that they're ahead of the curve a little bit from that spring season. Those are no flukes either. Yeah. We've got five other Big 12 games we're going to discuss right now uh, that are all FBS involved, including the fascinating line of Kansas at Coastal Carolina. Now, I know KU's lost to Coastal two years in a row, but both of those games, while they didn't feel close, were closer than what the spread has been put out. And, and yeah, I understand both those games were in Lawrence and this game's out there in Myrtle Beach. But well, I don't know what you've got you're seeing right now, but it's just been as high as 27 and a half. It's kind of come back down towards the 25 range. Dude, that's a huge number. And I'm curious. I don't think there's any way to find out. I might hit up our friend Kelly Stewart, see if she knows this. If that's one of the biggest numbers for a Power 5 team being a dog on the road and a non-Power 5 school, is that number too big? Yes. It's huge. You're going to call me crazy. I'm, I no. can't believe I'm ever picking KU, but I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, I'll pick them on the line. I, I Coming into the season, I wasn't going to be surprised if they won this game. I think so much of KU's problems have been not as much talent as culture. Mm-hmm. They just don't know how to win. And now they brought in someone who knows how to win. And he stole a bunch of players from his old program, which is pretty sneaky if you ask me with that transfer portal. And I think he's going to infuse that program with a better attitude. They did come back and win. That their, their opening game against South Dakota is a typical game they would have lost in the past. They found a way to win. It, in some ways, reminded me of K-State's win over North Texas when Bill Snyder's first year. It wasn't pretty. You should have won the game easily, but you didn't. But you still got the win. I think it's going to be a two-touchdown game at most. I think the number's just ridiculous. I don't know how they got to that number. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we agree. I look smart. For once. And watch Coastal <laughs> win by 30. Oklahoma State stays in state with Tulsa. I'm showing 12.5 points for the Cowboys, 51.5 over under. Your thoughts? I mean, Tulsa just lost to UC Davis, which I didn't even know they had a football school up yeah, until it's a pretty, recently. It's a pretty so. good program. <laughs> Power, yeah, powerhouse there. Uh, if that doesn't tell you my answer, there's my answer. Oklahoma State, I think they cover. I think people are overreacting to that game against Missouri State where they kind of squeaked by them. You know, they didn't have Spencer Sanders. And, and with or without him this next week, I like Oklahoma State to cover. Illingworth has started, I think, four or five games now at QB for the Cowboys. So it's not like he's new to this. I think last week people are overreacting too much. I mean, Tulsa is not that good of a team. I like Oklahoma State to cover. Very good. I would probably stick with you on that, but it is in state and some weird stuff happens. TCU and Cal. TCU's favored by 11. This was the game I picked in 
in uh, my bet on it picks. I, I look at Cal and I see Stanford. Cal lost in Nevada, case its opponent next week, in its opener, and TCU absolutely cruised against a really bad Duquesne team. But I think TCU covers this eleven pretty easily. It's in it's in Fort Worth, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. What are your thoughts on this one? I disagree, boss. You really uh, do. You know, they were up fourteen nothing on Nevada before they blew that lead. Uh, you know, Nevada's a good team, and they you know they held they held them close for for most of the game and. You know, we've talked about TCU a lot, and I think me and you both agree that they're overrated, but obviously you like them here. But I'm not buying into this hype even after that win last week. I mean, they went to 12-minute quarters after halftime. Did you know that? That's, no. how, that's how bad it was. Yeah, I'd never seen that in a football game. Uh, if this line moves at all, I might be a little bit more scared, but I think Cal's going to cover here. I'm just not sold on TCU yet. Very good. I, I understand where you're coming from texas and arkansas texas is a fascinating six and a half point favorite in this game arkansas is getting better 56 and a half is the over under number i'm seeing i might lean into arkansas a little bit here but i think i'd probably stick with texas yeah me too i mean after last week their performance against louisiana was really impressive and that was like an eight point line and now this is even smaller than that i think louisiana is a lot better than arkansas so i'm definitely i'm hammering texas here i think this is a really easy pick based off of what we saw last week if there was any you know jitters that sarkeesian had coming into the season he's already gotten them out of the way and they looked they looked really good so i don't see why you would want to bet arkansas here based off of what we saw Big game of the week. It's up in Ames. College game day's there. A little surprised by that. Iowa State and Iowa. Iowa State's a four-and-a-half-point favorite in a game in which they typically struggle. The over-under is 46-and-a-half. So, you know, by that, they're looking at Iowa State winning 26-21. I, I think they're going to win. I don't know what to do with this game, Ryan Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you did. <laughs> well, so when Iowa State was playing Northern Iowa, I was looking at my chops and saying, this is going to be awesome. You know, everyone's going to overreact, and this line is really going to shift towards Iowa because they could barely beat Northern Iowa, right? But that didn't happen. I mean, they're still favored by four and a half points, even after that performance. So I don't know how you can bet Iowa State here. I, I think they are kind of the better team, and that's why I was going to want to bet on them. But they're favored by four and a half points. I think this is kind of a coin flip. So if you've got four and a half points, how can you not take Iowa? I don't care if it's on the road. These players have all been in this game before in a hostile environment, you know, before COVID with this rivalry. So I'm going to go with Iowa just because of the points. I don't think I'm not saying they're going to win. I think it's more of a coin flip, but give me the points. I, I think this game is going to be one of the bigger ones in the Matt Campbell era up in Ames. If he can win this convincingly, I think it'll send a message that they are deserving of being a top 10 team and they are a national title contender. But if they lose or they flounder and don't cover, they still win, but don't look impressive like they did last week. People are going to start have creeping doubts about the validity of this Iowa State turnaround. Mm hmm. People already do. <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll, we'll be uh, following along closely. K-State kicks off at 6 p.m., so we'll get in some football before we ever get to the stadium, and that's always enjoyable. Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. 
That will wrap up this edition of the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State plays Southern Illinois at 6 p.m. on Saturday inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium. It's the home opener for the Wildcats after going 1-0 in their season opening game. The All-State kickoff classic last Saturday in Arlington by beating Stanford 24-7. As far as what I think about this game, I think this is going to be kind of a fun game to watch. I've got K-State winning this game 41 17. It'll be very interesting if Kansas State can really put their foot on the throats of the Salukis, a pretty good FCS team that's going to give them some issues particularly on the defensive side that Stanford just didn't offer. Make sure you're subscribing to GoPowerCat.com so you get all of this coverage plus our VIP coverage. And you can read my five keys of the game that comes out prior to every Kansas State game. After the game, we will convene on Sunday night for a podcast on Monday morning where Brian Hanley and I will wrap up everything we thought about Kansas State's game with Southern Illinois. Until then, we'll see you at GoPowerCat.com and make sure you check out my post-game walk and talk along with all of the other great coverage from the GPC crew. I'm Fitz, and we appreciate you listening to the PowerCat pregame podcast. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.